Hello and welcome to That's Enough Already, the podcast where we talk about things that shit us to absolute death. One of the things that does not shit me to death is the fact that I will be in Melbourne on the 21st and 22nd of May. Still some tickets available. Go on my website, ishlacarlson.com. Have a rummage around, see what you can find. There's some tickets on there. There's some clips for you to enjoy and just some old photos of me, you know, just peruse away. Now, this week I'm chatting to Chris Parker and he is super fun. You have to go follow him on social media. Go to his um, Instagram and have a look at some of those videos. It is absolutely tearful. It is that funny. He's also got a couple of shows left in New Zealand. Uh, Tuesday on the 18th of May, he's got a show in Christchurch um, and there's one on the 25th of May. You'll find it on his socials. Just look him up, Google him, but do enjoy the podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Let them do it. And um, enjoy. That's quite enough. Just stop. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Zip it. Shush, please. Uh, 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 uh. Yes, I can hear. Calm down, mate. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. All right, let, let me let me intro you. Um, this is Chris Parker that I'm talking to. I, I would probably do the intro proper, but I do that without you so I can waffle on about your successes and shit. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. We'll talk about that later because I, I have a lot of bitterness about your successes. Yeah, but, uh, oh, God. We'll, we'll, we'll attack that. But um, you're Chris Parker. You're, how do you identify? Comedian? Yeah, I do now, yeah. Took a while. Uh, you feel a bit dirty about it, but you're a comedian. <laughs> um, and then I just want to say how um, I now know a lot of my friends in Australia, a lot of people that I know um, that don't reside in New Zealand. I mean, they, some I have friends in New Zealand, but a lot of my friends, this is how they have come to know you, um, was because of your funny clips on socials. And during lockdown, you made heaps of funny clips um, and all these little felt figurine things. <laughs> And what do you? What would you call this? This is such a lesbian thing. What are those? What are those felt things? I couldn't even see where you put the nails in. <laughs> it's like needle felting. It's like a craft. Yeah. You know, it's like an old yeah. school craft that um, I just I just sort of picked up during lockdown because I was bored and I was filming myself do it because I'm a narcissist. And yeah. um, you know, it was like, oh, that'll be fun. And then yeah, it just became this thing that was way too big for me. <laughs> so, had you ever done it before? No, no. I was just like. My partner was like, go and get supplies when we were locking down. And I was like, well, supplies could mean anything. So I got like some food, but I mainly got like activities for us to do because I was like, we're going to be so bored. And I don't really, there's so many people in our flat. I was like, let's get some stuff to do. I've got like painting gear and I got my felting, these like little felting packs from Daiso, that little sort of like Japanese everything shop. This is so good. Yeah. And I just started like filming myself as I did it, but then lots. I think because it's so boring, it's so mindless, people were like, you know, obsessed with it and like kind of keep like messaging me and, you know, uh, I, I kind of grew this sort of weird cult following of kind of crafters. But it, it is, on, I mean, people who love craft, it's like people who love anal. When you love it, you love it. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's the same with crafting. It's like if you love it, you love it. Like you think about it a lot. And it's always the gay men who love it. <laughs> 
and straight housewives. And that really got into it. But I mean, you had that, and that the Auckland Museum have taken some of your stuff and have put it in there. And um, I took my kids to the museum because I saw the stuff that you made because you had it on, have been paying attention. And I was sitting next to you and I was like, holy hell, these are amazing. Like, it's really, really good. It's not, if I try something for the first time, like I try wood turning, it's I not- made a baseball bat and it snapped like the first the first hit. I should have oiled and dried it a bit. You know, I always feel like, you know, anyone can make art, but not everyone should. And I, I'm going to fall into that other category though. I don't want to say I'm like an artist, but it turned out okay. But there's a lot of love and, and passion in the project, but I wouldn't say it's like, you know, fine. It's not like really impressive. It's just like no, it is really impressive for someone who's never done. I thought it was really impressive. I thought you you started as a little boy, you know, like your mum recognised. Oh, Chris is probably not going to be an all black. Let's teach him how to felt. I thought that was kind of vibe that I got or skill level of skill that went into it. I was like, no, this is this is a guy who's dedicated his life to something, you know. And you've got beautiful soft hands, and I thought this is where it's from, you know, from yeah. years of working with a felt, you know. No, I just picked it up during the lockdown. My mum actually enrolled me into ballet as a kid because she did realise that I was never going to do rugby, never going to do sports, and yeah. so she put me in with all the girls doing ballet. Yeah. But she said once she was she's a pretty like critical she's a pretty critical audience member. After one recital that was like you know ten hours long, she said I had too much passion and not enough technique. Oh, that's <laughs> I reckon that's me across the board and everything. Now, my, my mum can be very brutal too. She's like, but honest, I appreciate her honestly. She said to me once, she goes, you're very good in a lot of things. Singing is not one of them. Because <laughs> I thought I was going to be a famous singer one day and she goes, no. Do you know my mum's name? My mum's name is Gay and her mum's maiden name was Pride, P-R-Y-D. Oh so, yeah. like, if we took the last name of the wife when you, when you got married, then she yeah. I technically could have been born from gay pride. Amazing. <laughs> and that's what we're dealing that, with here. Yes. <laughs> the flair is showing. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a kid... You should call that kid Flair. So when you, when you do, your whole family does an ancestry tree, they go, so we've got a gay, a pride, and a flair. Oh, my yeah. God. I know. Or mincing. Or sachet. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not. sachet. Could you imagine yeah, growing nice. up with me in the house? It's just, it's it's too much. I love when you see a parent who has clearly a very gay son, you know, and yeah. the mums are sort of, oh, he's they're dressed, always dressed in their little like princess dresses and always, yeah. I was always like dancing around them all, like showing off the people and, you know, concert. I think mum knew from day one when I came out of the womb, you, like, hi. Yeah, good day. <laughs> Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got an older brother who is like the complete opposite to me. He is like a rugby player. He was Cleo Bachelor of the year 2009. Amazing. And and an older sister and then a younger sister. And I live with my younger sister. We're very close because we're like the we were like the young artistic ones. And then the yeah. the older ones are kind of the more sensible. But do you think because uh, I mean I've got a I've got one one of each. I've got a brother and a sister, both are older. And I think my mum also knew, I think my whole family knew from the get-go. And it's almost like, especially because she could my sister's only a year older than me, and she's very 
femme and you know she's mm. fine and she's she is 100 the opposite of me if you see the two of us together we look like a ten. she's tall and skinny <laughs> and i'm short and round and like everything she looks she she's fine like a little pixie like my mum used to say when we were little she's like a little pixie she just her features are real fine and then here i'm like a fucking boulder through the house <laughs> And um, when when I was there, my mum used to go, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say I wanted to be a boy. Not that I wanted to change gender, but that's how in my mind I understood, mm. you know, I was I different. was always jealous of the girls. Like I, I couldn't yeah. understand why they got to dress up and wear like pretty things. And like I would always look at like Oscar, you know, the Oscar photos and be like, men just have to wear suits and like women yeah. get to wear all the fun colours. And I was like, it's so boring, you know. I think I feel like now I've sort of, I found a good balance of wearing like you're quite mental but fun things on stage but yeah. um i yeah as a kid i was always jealous of the girl i was always jealous when i was doing ballet that the girls got the tutus i was like i all i yeah. wanted was to wear a tutu but all the ballet recitals was me like being prince christopher who was like yeah. date you know and the ballets would just be like me sitting on one knee as all the girls would come in and sit on my knee and i would it sort of yeah. look like i was picking who my future wife was going to be it was so yeah. clearly if there's a young boy doing ballet he's not interested in the girls and the tutus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If, but imagine if your brother could go back in time and as a six-year-old go, hang on a minute, I'm going to do ballet. <laughs> ballet would take off. I know, I know. And mum would make me feel better about it being like, you know, the All Blacks, they do ballet, you know, to help train and condition for the game. And I was like, they, they are not the role models That's, I'm looking for. No. And also, if anything, they smashing Whitbix. I've seen the ads. They just it's, drink their blue juice and Whitbix. That's what they isn't it the smartest? I think it's the smartest marketing campaign of Weebix to be like, how many Weebix can you eat in one go? Yeah, and Weebix being like, yeah. oh, I can eat a whole packet. And then you've got some 10-year-old boy like wasting all the Weebix and mum's like, have to go out and buy another pack. You know, it's like, it's genius yeah. marketing. Just yeah. wasting all yeah. those Weebix and chucking them down over, your gob. Overeaters and you're basically eating cardboard. Hey, um, you just recently got engaged. Yes. So have you started letting yourself go yet? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and will it, do you guys want to have kids? Are you going to have kids? No, God, no, no. And it's always a hard thing to admit, you know, because you sound like such a heartless bastard being like, no. no. But I sat no. beside this woman on a plane once and she was telling me like, oh, like it's so amazing and you understand these new depths of love and all this. And then she's like, she looked at me and was like, so do you want kids? And me, for me just to be like, no. Nah. <laughs> I felt cruel, but. I just love Saturday morning and I love, you know, just like rolling out of bed at 11.30 being like, I'm going to go to a brunch. Maybe I'll go to Queenstown. Like I just, I'm yeah. too selfish. Yeah, but I think, no, I think now because there's so many fucking people on the planet. I know. And I don't understand this. It's like a fucking cult. As soon as you have kids, then it's like, oh, I have fucked up my weekends. Let me see if I can get other people <laughs> to fuck up theirs. And exactly. I mean, like if we're, oh, you know, we've got two kids and I love those kids and I adore them, but I 100% get people who don't want to have kids. And we yeah. were sort of on that precipice where I was like, should we or should we just carry on enjoying our lives? <laughs> I can't wait for your kids to be listening to this in 10 years' time crying. I <laughs> know. Oh, they'll see about seven days and cry about that. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, ha- I'm happy that we have them, but I just think, you know, the world is so fucking overpopulated and COVID is doing what it can, but, you know. I think... <laughs> True. My theory is if you like, you can't keep your house plants alive. You shouldn't be allowed to like graduate up 
to like the dog and then you are certainly not allowed a kid because it gets worse yeah. like the, the more alive it gets the, the fallout's bigger like if you fuck up your dog like it's it just kind of affects you you know like it will chew your shoes it ruins your life but yeah. if you fuck up your kid it ruins my life because they grow up yeah. to become an asshole they yeah. grow up to be and Brian Tarmacky and then it's my problem you uh, know yeah 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 then then it's the whole freaking neighborhood that suffers from it <laughs> I know it's such a pain but yeah I totally get it and I think there's so much pressure I think there's a lot more pressure on women who don't want to have kids but yes. also I think the confusion around gay people and kids because I people aren't very comfortable asking they're like yes um yeah like <laughs> there, won't be, there won't be as much pressure on you because you've got siblings but yes. if it was like I've got I've got friends that you know there's two of them in the family brother and sister they're both gay I've got where well, there's three and they're all three gay and then people are like sympathizing with the parents from the fact that they'll never have grandchildren I'm like you know we're gay not sterile like we can have <laughs> we can pop kids out as much as we like we're just it's a choice it's like, I, I love how everyone gets confused like people even got confused when I would say that I was engaged so people would be like well how does it work when it's two guys like who asked yeah. who and who gets the ring I love like, that video that you did on <laughs> I watched it so many times I'm like oh my god this is the best thing but I love how like, it's like normal 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 and now we're dueling <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, what do you expect? Like, it's like, it's so normal. He asked, I said, yes, I get the ring because he asked. Like, you know, and I was like, if I want to buy him a ring, I will. It's such an, like, use your imagination. But everyone's like, thinks there must be some sort of protocol or ritual that like, if it's two men, they've got to like ask at the same time or, you know, like it's so odd. And then they're like, well, how does the wedding work? Do you just one walk down the aisle? Does, uh, or, or do you both? I was like, well, maybe we won't walk down any aisle or maybe we'll just be there or maybe it'll be a big yeah. show, maybe a big ballet recital you never know yeah shot out of cannons <laughs> and halfway in the air you'll meet and then it's, he's it's butt so... first and i'm front first and we kind of connect <laughs> into each other plugging in <laughs> plugging it and forever. If, you, if you miss then it's not yeah, valid it was never meant to be we're never allowed to see each other ever again then whoever you plug into that's the one you marry <laughs> It was such a crazy night when he proposed, though, because he doesn't drink and he never has drunk. So, but I like to drink a lot, and I have a problem. I've and seen. <laughs> <laughs> We've so, worked together. <laughs> so, we went out for dinner, and we went those big, really like fancy. We love to spend our money on really expensive long dinners, you know, because they're, they're really have fun. Kids. Yeah, we don't you have can, kids. You can carry on with that forever. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm not putting them to school, so I'm going to spend you know money on a 14 course dinner, and it was like a drink every course. And he's just having like a non-alcoholic drink every course. I'm having like you know like sambuca and then like wine, and it was going all over the place. I was wasted. I was so drunk, and I was like, oh, I think we need to go for a walk. And so after we have dinner, we go for a walk, and I'm kind of stumbling around Britomar. And then he asked if he um if I want to marry him, and it was just so surreal for one person to be so sober and the other to be blind drunk and in the morning I woke up being like what happened last night there's a huge ring on my hand so what did I do (laughs) now I'm just trying to get out of it because it's clearly a mistake yeah yeah (laughs) obviously (laughs) did he super glue that ring on while you were drunk (laughs) yeah gorilla glue can never can never get the bloody thing can't get it oh Um, yeah oh no wait wait till you get then people are gonna ask uh, what you're wearing you know because like when we got married everyone's like so what did you wear you know I went I went in traditional African garb so you know (laughs) 
<laughs> I want to. I, all I know is I want really long gloves and I want a bouquet. Yeah. But I don't know what else from there. But we'll we'll figure it out. Just go like that. <laughs> yeah, and a and it's a string. It's done. You have to make a felt suit. <laughs> oh no, no! After the live after the live felting shows, I'm burning it all. I'm done. You're done. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting the pr- the pressure with a gay wedding because I feel like with straight weddings, someone's like, "Oh, we're gonna get married." It was like, "Oh, how nice! It would be so lovely." I imagine it's gonna be out at the you know some country estate, you know. But with a gay wedding, everyone's like, "Oh, that'll be fun," you know, and they, they just immediately expect like a big show and party. And mum's like, "Oh, I have to think about what I'm gonna wear." And it's like, you don't, you didn't, ha- you didn't freak out that much. My sister or brother's wedding. Why is it suddenly mine that has to become this like big drag show with confetti? I mean. And, I mean it, I mean, it will it be. Is. It will be. <laughs> I, I know it will be, but I don't. I don't yeah. want everyone to expect that. So, who's who's emceeing, Buckwheat or Ribena? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to get Alice Sneddon to do it. There's oh, another okay. comedian. I'm assuming you're saying she's a comedian to the audience listening, and not to me. Yes, exactly. That's exactly okay. what I'm doing. We are actually yeah, doing no. a podcast. Yeah, no, because I know you're more podcast savvy than I am. <laughs> How long have you been doing comedy? How long have you been in the so you you went to drama school and then yeah. did you just as soon as you rolled out, started making no money immediately, or did you make no money a few years later? <laughs> All I wanted to be was like an actor, you know, at high school. And so yeah. I, when I left um, high school, I went straight to drama school. It's this kind of fancy drama school in Wellington and studied for three years. And it was like only serious acting. Like it yeah. was rolling around. It's as cliche as you can think, like rolling around the floor in lycra, like as cliche as that. And I was like, I cannot wait to graduate and start working and doing like serious plays. And then I realized I was just desperate for stage time. Like I loved being out in front of people and showing off. And I was sick of waiting around. And so I was like, I'll just create my own opportunities. And so that's when I started doing comedy, but specifically doing improv and theater sports and stuff. When did you do your first comedy festival show? How long after leaving drama school? First comedy festival was a sketch show with me and Hayley Sproul. And it was called Outsider's Guide. And we did it in 2013. So yeah, like two years after I left drama school, eight people came and um, we were proud of it. But Hayley and I worked together for a long time. And now she's, you know, hosting have you been paying attention i get to like you know yeah. play along it's really fun but we i remember when we were like dirt broke we were sleeping in the same bed for like four months trying to make furiously make these shows and we would spend hours and hours making these shows like and now it's like you know we spent like six months making a comedy festival show it was mental the amount of energy we put into it oh wow yeah we just obsessed with it i think so many people have no like what is your process how would you write an hour show well how do you do it it's a good question because I'm not like doing lots of little gigs every now and then. Like I yeah. often try and think of like the big show, the big hour. Cause yeah. that's, I guess because being at drama school, that's, I was like theater making rather than making comedy shows. Yeah. So I always sort of think big full hour and then try and write the bits in between and then try and test those bits out at, you know, uh, club nights and lineup nights and stuff yeah. to see if it is actually funny and then you kind of end up with an hour and then the more that I get to run it the better it, it gets but um yeah. I don't know I don't every show's so different like this is like a live craft sh- comedy show and I have to like you know create one of those little felting kits within the hour as well as do all my stand-up at the same time so it's quite a specific show and then but like the year before that sometimes I'll just put on a play with Tom Sainsbury because I can't be bothered <laughs> 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 take the pressure off you- 
you say that because you can't be bothered, but it's like that is super hard, but because that is your strength, it's it's a nothing. It's like when someone says to me, like, I can ride a one-hour stand-up, I can ride that in four days, you know? Like, I ride a new hour every year. Some years I ride two or three hours. I ride one in a different language. And that's not an issue. But if you say to me, write a play, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote a book. Come on, you'll be fine. Yeah, but I hated the whole – like, I enjoyed writing. But I yeah. hated, like that process was uh, in the I book. Get, I say I'll never do it again. I feel like every book I read from a comedian, the first paragraph was like, "I hate this book. No. I hated writing it. I hated every part of it." I didn't. I I specifically didn't start like that because I hate when I read a book and it starts like that. I feel like, why are you sharing if you don't want to share? Like, wait till you're halfway through. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote the whole book, and right at the end, I go, "I finished telling you what I have." I'm until now like because I I believe there will be more in me but I basically just wanted to share you know sort of growing up in apartheid South Africa and then moving to New Zealand and getting into comedy and that kind of shit right but then at the end I'm like I know that there'll be more down the track but I (laughs) won't be sharing that with you like follow me on Instagram because I did not enjoy the process but now it's like it's like anything it's like going to military school it's like the first month is really tough but then when you look back at it you go actually that was the it was did you go to military school yeah well it was like a military school yeah boarding school oh boarding like marching and yeah we we marched we marched we did every every wednesday was cadet day we had to wear your army clothes and then we'd march and the boys would go do and i i no wonder you're a lesbian (laughs) i not everyone in my boarding school was a lesbian trust me i fucking tried Oh my gosh, I had no idea. That's so interesting. So you're not intimidated by like shooting guns and stuff like that because you would have been used to it. How old were you when you were like firing off rifles and things? Uh, I think I joined the shooting club when I was 11 or something. But um, I I shot guns before then and I got got a 22 rifle when I was four years old. Oh Because we lived we lived on the farm, so it's like you just you know have to shoot shit. Sometimes you go to the you know there's snakes. We had shotguns around. We had contrasting childhoods. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot here. <laughs> the only thing that endangered me as a kid was myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and if you didn't listen to your mum. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, gay pride would. Yeah, she is. Gay would can, come for you. She would come for me. <laughs> And she has. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that would happen to me is like twisting an ankle, dancing in the garage or something like that, you yeah. know. Like I was constantly just like making shows. So yeah. I, it kind of makes sense that I ended up doing that because I just feel like what I'm doing now is just that. But, you know, like what I was doing as a yeah. kid, but just on a bigger level, and now I can charge more money. But when I was a kid, I would just spend every weekend like in the garage, like dancing to like the cassette player and creating these like weird shows and putting my sister in them. So she's ended up being an actor as well because I forced her to do it. Good on you. You see, I, I had a cassette. <laughs> player and I'd do the same but I would record I'd voice record myself and tell funny stories and then play it back to my family. Oh my gosh, do they still exist? No. No, oh, unfortunately not. You, you'd be sitting uh, on a gold mine. You'd be sitting on I a reckon. gold mine. That would be the second book that I don't have to fucking write. Yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> so let's just quickly cover something. So you've won festival awards you've nailed best newcomer with your first solo show mm. you've won the fred award yeah that which was crazy. I've, I've never even had a sniff at 
That dirty old gumboot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you're fucking amazing. You are very funny, dude, and you're very talented. But you're coming for me. Yeah. How come you get to win the award? And did they engrave your name on that boot, or can I have it? I would take people's choice over you know the esteem of like a uh, best show award because I feel like that's why we do it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like there's there's comedians that make comedy to like outdo other comedians and then there's comedians who make comedy for their audience and like yeah. actually to share that and make people laugh and that's 100 percent why i'm in the game is like just to bring people in a room and entertain them and just let out some energy that i've got built up yeah. inside me um some sexual frustration you know let it all yeah. out <laughs> um yeah, I reckon like, so that's why I'd always prefer like a people's choice over a Fred, but it was pretty crazy. It was good to kind of win the Fred because I felt like for a long time, people didn't know if I was a comedian or an actor or if I was, how long I was going to be doing the comedy thing for, or if I was yeah. just like testing the waters and then to kind of win that big award. I think everyone was a bit like, Ooh, okay, that's weird. And then yeah. I think I was like, knew I wanted to really commit with this comedy thing at that point and yeah I don't know it's helped me sort of feel a bit more at home in this industry because sometimes I felt a bit like I don't know if I really belong in this kind of traditional comedy sphere but I sort of feel like I'm finding my feet now but it's taken a while those characters because I I, you know like I love your clips that one that you do with the mum trying to get the kids out is that on gay are you are you channeling yeah. gay or is that <laughs> yeah. a different mum i think lots of comics have like a go-to character that they can do like i feel like tom sainsbury's got a few that he always calls on the one that just comes to me so naturally is a kind of rural mum who's got like four grown-up <laughs> boys and she's like loved <laughs> by hand cream and sort of potter around and sort of drink coffee all day and like she just i don't know where she's like my spirit animal like maybe i was a, a mum in a past life life but they just they just come into me somehow and then I just like love being them like I love playing those women they're so funny to me yeah I, I love it those are my favorite <laughs> clips honestly out of all of the clips so if someone someone's listening and they've not seen your Instagram clips which one would you suggest they go for and watch first to kind of get a vibe for this is mm, what it's going to be like I reckon some of my mum characters this look for me yeah. with like earrings on and a pink shirt yeah. and you'll be like there he is you know I yeah. also want of my favorites it's so niche but it was the experience of being picked up by your mum's friend in a car and she's like driving you home and tom and i got obsessed with the way that people tap on car windows when they're driving and they go dunk, yeah. dunk, and they go good ice cream in that little place over there dunk, dunk. and like i love it and yeah. it happens all the time especially the, and they give you a little ticky tour around the town and yeah. so i tried to recreate one of those during the lockdown and i think that a lot of people were like i've had this exact experience but it's so yeah. niche but let's what I love like the more specific you are the more people are like yes 100% I've experienced that yeah I love it I did see something alarming on your Instagram uh oh and it no. really it really like I watched it <laughs> I couldn't stop watching the clip over and over you were taking a dip I think your first dip of the season the water was a bit cold yes you know like intense zooming in on on your My very face. very pale body and the water looked very cold it was freezing and I couldn't help but notice though you're wearing speedos I'm actually wearing undies in that video. Like, I'm an undie boy, but I also wear Speedos when I go swimming. I'm a Speedo kid now. Why? <laughs> I Because you get to be faster in the water. What are you, Michael Phelps? <laughs> <laughs> By the look of me in a swimming cap 
absolutely not. But <laughs> I look like one of those like Frankenfurt sausages that you haven't pricked and then put in the microwave and oh, it's exploded. You know, <laughs> isn't that the worst? I felt like my whole childhood was someone making saveloys at a party and forgetting to prick them and then bringing out what looks like a bowl of little child penises. Like they just look <laughs> so revolting, and they're like, "Sorry, forgot to prick them." It's like, no, I'm not eating this. It's awful. <laughs> But I've got into swimming in a big way because I was hopeless yeah. at swimming and I've got such big feet and everyone would be like, oh my gosh, with those flippers, you'd be an amazing swimmer. And I was like, you'd want to see me swim then because I would like drown. But I got swimming lessons last year or the year before. Amazing. And like, I've been like working on my stroke, not my breaststroke, but all my other strokes. Uh, and <laughs> I have like tenfold improved. Like I can do like laps and like the tumble turns at the end and stuff. Like oh, I, wow. I really like it. And it's a good one because you don't have to join a new gym if you're on the on tour. Like you just run around with your speedos and they're so small and you got your cat and your goggles and away you go. And like a pool entry is like $6 and it's so good. And it's like really good for like, I find it really relaxing, but it's a good way of like exercising. And, just, and I find it like chic, like the pools are so kind of like towel around the shoulders, sort of walking out. It's like, go grab a latte afterwards. Like, I just think it's a very elegant way to exercise. I do think, though, you need to give up the speedos. Unless you're <laughs> under the age of two or training for the Olympics, no, you should not be I, fucking speedos. I, I refuse. I actually I, refuse. I am going to fight you like in a duel. Like, I'm going to propose to you like a gay man. That's how I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to make them worse. I'm going to cut them into like a thong. I'm going to ride them right up between my butt crack just to make it, just to rub it in your face. You don't need to ride it. Just go down the slide <laughs> in a water park. It'll be wedged up your asshole. Don't you worry about a thing. That, I sw- that only no one way up. <laughs> I swim at the Mount Albert pools a lot. And that place is just crazy because there's all, when I'm swimming, there's always um, like an aqua jogging or aqua size class on after me. And those women who do the exercising, I mean, they are, I, I should really be in the exercise class if I'm being honest with myself because I know I'd probably enjoy it. But they like, they just think they own the pool. And because they're, 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 they're kind of like dancing in the water with their like little rings around themselves. And they, they basically stand in the lane that I'm swimming in and they're just yarning to each other. Other. And then you have to kind of swim around them. It's so awkward, but it's like these they they're the same women that kind of walk into you at shops when you're at the supermarket or something and you're yeah. you're trying to get something and they want to get it so they just charge past you and grab for it. I don't know yeah. what happens when you get to a certain age, you just think, get out of my way, you awful little twin. No, but uh, <laughs> you know what? It's because it's those same mums who don't go to spec savers and they just keep getting the glasses from the pharmacy. So it's like plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four. Eventually they go to the pharmacy and they just give them a fucking golden retriever and a harness. They go, there you go, Carol. So they can't see you. <laughs> I went out to dinner with my parents last night and they do that thing now when they look at the menu and they turn their flashlight on their phone. Oh, yeah. So it is so embarrassing. And they all, like, the whole table lit up. We were looking like we were yeah. on like a search and rescue <laughs> for some Thai boys in a cave. Like everyone had their torches on and like shining them above these like menus. It was so mortifying. Right. I can't because I do that now because you just can't see. <laughs> just can't. The night have- of the gala, I, I snuck out. I was on first and then I went, all right, we're going for dinner and 48 uh, margaritas before the after party. And then 
I went and I couldn't see the menu. Like the music was too loud. The room was too dark. I'm like, okay, kill the music. Turn the fucking lights on. <laughs> I want to order myself a bowl of saveloids. I can't do what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, no. All right. Listen, we've come to the fun part of the um, potty. I want you to tell me what is the one thing that shits you to absolute death about other people? Right, shits me to death. Yeah, what absolutely irritates you so fucking much you know. Oh, okay, really good. Oh, honestly, and I feel like it's a little bit of like classism potentially, but table manners are for me. Like when someone, I'm having dinner with someone and they are like chewing with their mouth open and you get that like noise. I think it's a couple of things. One, like I don't like looking inside other people's mouths when they eat, but two, the noise of it like sends me into a spin. Like I get this anger boils up inside of me and I just want to Green. And I was once in a line at um, the bank. The man behind me had a fruit burst in his mouth and he was chewing it so loudly. And I felt like turning around and just putting my hand in his mouth and pulling it out. <laughs> <laughs> and just being like, you don't deserve this lolly. <laughs> I, I can't, my dad was so all about table manners growing up to the point where once I was eating dinner and I was like slouching because I'd come back from ballet or whatever, I was tired. I was slouching so much into my food. He got his hand on my head and pushed my face into my chicken tonight, lemon chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, you were close enough already. I thought you may as well just put your whole face in that. <laughs> I feel like we're getting a strong glimpse into your family life. <laughs> they were great supportive parents, I swear. <laughs> but because of that, I think like it's just trickled down and like affected me in a yeah. way that, you know, when I like when I see someone eating like a, a child or whatever, I'm just like, oh, 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 oh my God. Oh, but you can't say anything because it's rude yeah, as well. No, you can say. You can say. <laughs> no, you can't. You've obviously, you can't. I'm, I'm going to. I'm gonna name him because I I call him out on this every time we're together. Every time Pax is on the show, I go if if the lollies come through, I go don't take a fruit burst because you eat hideous. Oh. Like I I can hear him <laughs> chew two blocks away, and he's like and he's like no, it's a cultural thing. I go well in my culture, you're eating like a piglet. Don't eat like that. <laughs> I love how irritable you can get on that show sometimes. I remember sometimes someone was tapping their foot on the yeah. desk and it was wobbling yeah. the whole thing and you thought yeah. it was me and you were like, I'm going to cut your fucking feet off if you keep tapping it. <laughs> I was like, it's not me, I promise, I promise. <laughs> but because they, they obviously didn't consult a structural engineer when they made those desks. Those? So if you yes. put a pen down and the whole back is like this. <laughs> I can barely fit under those desks as well. It's like it's yeah. like flying on a jet star plane. My knees are like up on my chin, like they're just hopeless. Yeah. And I think why they made them so terrible. Those desks, I can't believe it. Um, yeah. What else? There's quite a few things that sort of shit me about other people, but I would say <laughs> table manners is probably the number one, but then also slow walkers. I can't, uh, unless, you know, they've got like a Zimmer frame or something, you know, like yeah. but people Or like, short legs, because I don't walk fast, but um, I think because I'm mainly torso, my legs are only about 25 centimetres. <laughs> so it, it's hard when I'm walking with, my tour manager's over six foot and then he starts, he's just striding and I'm like running. In a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a very long stride. And also yeah. being a gay man, we walk, so fast it's amazing that we do like our pride marches last a couple of hours because at the pace we walk at it's basically a sprint it's, it's the lesbians <laughs> holding you back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, but when especially when you're at the airport and um I'm just my partner and I are both like zip, we love to zip around you know and um, yeah. people are kind of like oh, scratching their head and like don't know where they're going yeah. and meandering around an airport I'm like no yeah. know your gate number and go 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 yeah. go like get on the thing get on the mover thing get off it like hurry otherwise I'm going to put or you in my car left. or stay left yeah, yeah. yeah otherwise yeah. I'm going to put you in my bag left. trolley and push you around We're, because honestly well, I don't have the time well, fuck that'll be a dream for me if you ever see me at the airport <laughs> I'm going to hop on your trolley no but people who just stop willy nilly especially the airport it pisses me off it's like you know it says everywhere get your fucking liquids out get your laptop out don't yes. wait for the guy to take a bag now we have to all wait I'm like come on when they're left Tops at the bottom of their bag, and I'm always like, I always feel like they're like, you knew you had to take yeah. your laptop out. Why are you doing this to everyone here today? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it should be like that. And you get it now as well with people waiting in doorways trying to use the QR code scanner at places because they yeah. put them on the door. So people stand like right in the doorway and they don't know how to yeah. use their phone and they've got those phone wallets, they flip it open, oh. you know, all their cards fall out, they try yeah. and find the app. It drives me crazy. I just want to get my coffee and go and we're all yeah. piling up in the door like sardines. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. People, people need to stay in their lane. All right, what is the thing about you that shits you about yourself that you wish you could change? Wow. Okay, yeah. great. Let's see Let's see if you line it up with how I feel. <laughs> I, just the, I, think- <laughs> I just end the call. Um, <laughs> probably, I would say, I I think it's a, it's a pro and a con, but I would say I'm very... Like, oh, well, I'm easily irritable. Like, I get quite irritated by things. And, like, I have, like, I feel emotions on a quite a big scale, I would say. I, I kind of, like, get into life like a kind of, like, drunk person gets into a cheeseburger at 2 a.m. and just kind of, like, rip into it, you know? And so I'm always, I cry at everything. And sometimes I wish I could just have a bit more composure. But, like, I'll cry at a funeral of someone I don't know. And I'll be yeah. the one crying the most. Um, or if, like if the toast pops in my house and even though I've put it down, I'll get a fright. You know, I'm, I'm always kind of on edge and I wish I was more cool. Like, yeah. I feel like you're quite cool. Like you're not really phased by much, whereas I'm really highly strung. Yeah, I mean, I've, toast has never scared me, but I, I do get overly <laughs> emotional. Like if someone talks about something, like even if a rugby player or like there's that ad now about the cricket player, the boy starts and then his dad is like, oh, you're going to play for yeah. I cry every time <laughs> every I see time. that ad. Every time. Why are the ads so emotionally manipulative? I don't understand. Just sell me Lotto and get on with it. I don't need a four-hour movie about, like, dead parents and being stranded somewhere and, you know, and every Lotto ad is, like, two hours long and I'm weeping by the end of it. Yeah, and you don't even play Lotto. (laughs) I watched that. I watch that bank ad and I'm like, I think ANZ's got shit service, you know, but I like the ad. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this should be a movie right here. This is it. This, I watch this. I want to see this. I want to see this. this is one hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I, of course, have nothing. No, I think my irritability too. I think we have that in, but I'm not overly emotional. But also I think with age, that sort of. Does it get worse? No. Well, I guess with the kids too, like I used to be real reactive active to stuff like I'm petrified of heights and I'm petrified of bees but I don't oh. show it as much anymore because I don't want to freak the kids out. Then you give them that fear. Yeah so I want them to give them 
their own, they they can, you know, find out what their shit is on their own. I don't want them to, you know, like my daughter's not scared of heights at all. And so she's like, let's go do this or let's go in the glass elevator. She loves going to Sky City. And I literally cannot, if we go up the tower, get away from the lift. I, I just stand against, with my back against the wall. But then since we've had kids, I've, I've actually walked up to the edge and had a photo with her and I walk around now. But, like, I'm sweating by the time we get out. I would rather make it perform in front of 5,000 people than go up there. It's I, are you allergic to bees or are you just scared no, of them? just scared just of them. Just scared of them. I'm yeah. scared of birds. I hate birds. And I don't know yeah. why, but it's their beaks. I'm scared that they're going to fly into me because I'm so tall and get their beaks stuck in my body and I'm going to have to like pull it out. I don't know why, but I got that in my head and now I'm yeah. like constantly ducking and diving from, yeah. from birds, and especially magpies. If I see a magpie, I will walk a different way because they swoop yeah. you as well. They come yeah. for you. Yeah. They come for shiny things and I'm always sparkling. So they're, they're, they're <laughs> going to come for my eyes. Yeah. Oh, they're going to get you. They're going <laughs> to get, get you good. Especially if you, if you do the mum with the earrings and the pink frog you're fucked yeah magpies are homophobic is what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah. yeah i've had to pull a beak out of me once or twice you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right hi chris thank you so much for doing thanks it's so nice chatting to you that's enough already shut up oh shush